Welcome to a special episode of the Frontline Fundamentals podcast. I'm your host, Curtis Marquardt, and joining me today is the Director of Professional Development for Incident Prevention Institute, David McPeak. Welcome, David. Hello, Curtis. Thank you for having me today. Thank you for joining us, David. What makes this episode special is that we're here to discuss some exciting news. David has recently written and published his first book called Frontline Leadership, The Hurdle. And it's a book that you're all going to want to read because it talks in depth about how utility safety professionals like yourself can generate success and power performance through optimizing culture. The book is currently on sale at any place you'd buy books online, and it's a fantastic read that I highly recommend for any utility leader or aspiring leader to read. First of all, congratulations, David, on becoming an author of a great book. Uh, Thank you for that. And uh, I'll tell you, the very first thing I found about writing a book is it's a lot like when you take a computer-based exam, right? The last question is the hardest when it says, are you sure you want to submit? So at least for me, from my perspective, writing the book was the easy part, if you will. But then hitting that submit button, actually publishing it and putting it out there, uh, that was the hard part for me, for sure. But I'm super excited about it. And I do want to mention while I've got the chance, and it says it in the acknowledgement section of the book, but, you know, I am the author of the book, obviously, but the real credit and the content creators, if you will, family, friends, through experiences, and really specifically folks involved in classes that I've been a part of both as a student and a teacher. So give credit where credit's due there. But thank you again. I'm super excited about the book. That's that's a great statement. Kind of leading into my uh, next question that I wanted to ask you about, uh, you kind of mentioned that you want to give credit to all the friends and family involved, but what, what truly inspired you to write this book? Well, a lot of things, but various, I mean, the thing I'm probably most passionate about is personal and professional development, both for myself and for others. And to, to use something from Stephen Covey, which we reference in the book, that circle of influence, right? And, and I'll use safety as an example right now. We'd love, to, we'd love to do everything we could to keep everybody in the whole world from ever getting hurt, which is obviously an impossible thing to do. But if we can touch frontline leaders and make them better, improve their leadership skills, then that helps their team's performance. And so that really, this this book is based a lot on our frontline program at, at Utility Business Media. And that's really is the purpose of the frontline program, hit those frontline leaders. And so I, I hope this book uh, can touch some of those frontline leaders, improve their skills, and then the performance of their team. So let's talk a little bit about the book title as well. It's called Frontline Leadership, The Hurdle. So what inspired you to choose that title for the book? And why is the concept of clearing a hurdle so important for leaders? So I love this image. That's a great question. And I love this image. Uh, it's about really like the work you do up front and the representative run up. So think about that. In track and field, you're jumping over a hurdle. That's really hard to do from a standing position. And there's a lot of hurdles associated with leadership, things like creating culture, aligning your team, delivering constructive criticism, communicating effectively, these sort of things. And so you think about the run-up in track and field makes getting over those hurdles easy. In leadership, the run-up is developing relationship and creating culture. The better you do that, the easier it is to get over the hurdles. So that's the title of the book. uh, and, And that's why leadership is a hurdle. And really the book more focused on the run-up than the hurdle. So when you think about the specific industry we are in, which is the utility safety industry, 
what do you often see leaders and aspiring leaders struggle with? And what are some major concepts in this book that will help those folks overcome those challenges? It's a good question as well. And you mentioned utility safety, and I believe this is true in, in kind of any construction and, and a whole lot of other situations as well. But first of all, back to the title, too much focus on the hurdle itself and not enough focus on the runoff. But really in utilities and constructions, one of the things you see is people have an incomplete definition of leadership. It's not wrong. It's just incomplete. And by that, I mean, they came up in a culture of very autocratic leadership and, and that's they've learned kind of that my way or the highway approach, which is situationally appropriate. But what that does is put too much focus on yourself, not enough focus on others. And, and along with that, too much focus on your authority than your influence, which is a big part of this book how to situationally balance your authority with your influence. And one of the things I say back to where your focus should be, and I believe in today's world, Curtis, you know this, it's really hard to create anything original. There's just so much stuff out there, but I believe there's a quote in this book that is original to David McPhee. At least I hope it is because I claim credit for it. Uh, but it says the only time your leadership should be about you is if you are looking for someone to blame. And I really think that ties back into the question you're asking of what one of the biggest challenges is, is you can't use a tool you don't have. And leadership is a skill. It is a tool. And so that's one of the goals of the book as well is just to help people expand their leadership toolbox, if you will. So let's go back to what you were talking about at the uh, beginning of your response to that question, which was that sort of autocratic leadership that many people were brought up in. Uh, I think one mistake leaders often make is to assume that one leadership style or strategy is all one needs to succeed. Uh, in this book, you talk a lot about that and how to apply different leadership strategies based on a particular person or task or environment at hand. Can you talk more about that concept? Absolutely. And I, 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 I couldn't agree more with your question. The mistake leaders make is to assume one leadership style. Uh, it's important to say there's no right or wrong, good or bad leadership style. It should be situational based on people, task, and environment. But and it's and the book references Ken Blanchard's situational leadership, which is exactly what we're talking about here. And I'll tell you, when we teach frontline classes, that is the topic that always, almost always, creates the most discussion. And in the feedback forms, people listed as the thing that was most valuable that they got the most off. And really, just to simplify it. It's as simple as understanding yourself first, then understanding others. You couple that with the task being performed in the environment that you're in. And to uh, use a little bit from Tony Alessandra's platinum rule, which is also referenced in the book, being adaptable. Uh, that's really what it's all about, being adaptable. And I also wanted to go back to what you touched upon earlier uh, in where you said that, you know, one mistake that is often made is focusing on the hurdle and not enough about the run-up. So why is it so important to focus on the desired outcome unless on the, the problem at hand? Yeah, that's a good question. Outcome-oriented decision-making, big part of the book. Uh, it, it, it references a, a tool Jack Canfield lists in his book, The Success Principles, Principle 1, take 100% responsibility for your life. He gives you the equation, event plus response equals outcome. And... Really, that question, what's your O, could be such a hugely powerful question. But I do want to say, and I'll use the example of safety again here, is when we're talking about an outcome, we can't define an outcome as results alone. 
we have to couple behavior with the results to get uh, performance, if anybody's familiar with human performance. So, but if you clearly define, I mean, the basic the premise of that principle is if you clearly define what you want your outcome to be and you understand the event or the situation that you're in, your response becomes almost automatic. I think in a lot of situations, folks in leadership positions fail by simply trying to respond without really thinking about what they want the outcome to be. So that's a critical part of this book, in my opinion, is really focusing on what do I want the outcome to be and then doing everything. Once you clearly define that, it should be easy to make the appropriate responses. Two leadership areas that are in the book that I really enjoyed a lot are the uh, areas to discuss decision making and emotional intelligence. Can you talk to our audience about why those areas are so important when it comes to leadership? Yeah, I can. Uh, and because there are two areas that are often ignored is the really simple answer to that. But I, I would sum it up by saying uncontrolled emotions lead to uncontrolled behaviors as far as emotional intelligence goes. Much more importantly, controlled emotions lead to controlled behaviors. And emotional intelligence is a concept a lot of people aren't familiar with, and that's exactly what it's about. And then from decision-making perspective, that is huge. And one of the things that we do as leaders and just people in general is to think that there are good decisions. Now, playing semantics a little bit right there, and I realize that there are good decisions for sure. But what we need to understand is people define good differently based on personalities and a lot of other internal and external factors uh, and the situation that they're in. So because good can be like we'd like to say it is good to wear the appropriate PPE for a task. For sure, that's a true statement. But then people sometimes don't wear the appropriate PPE. Why? Because they're defining good differently. Maybe not wearing the PPE in their mind becomes a good decision, if you will, because of comfort, convenience, dexterity, whatever it may be. So we, we can't assume that a good decision for us is a good decision for other people. And then really for a leader, you can't always make the assumption that people will make good decisions. So that's part of what leadership is, is making informed, rational, effective decisions yourself, and then being able to provide consequences positive, negative, immediate future, uh, some of those kind of things that reinforce those same kind of decisions from other people. That's all great information. And, and certainly when there's tests at hand and making those good decisions is very important. Uh, another important area of leadership that uh, maybe gets overlooked by a lot of leaders is developing relationships with your team. Why is that such a vital part of the process? Oh, no doubt. And developing relationships, you could couple back with emotional intelligence. It's almost like 10, 15 years ago, culturally, those were bad words that we didn't talk about, want anything to do with, especially associated with leadership, right? But it goes back to the title of the book, the hurdle and that concept of the run-up. And the run-up consists of culture creation and developing relationships. Can't stress enough, the better your run-up, the easier it is to get over the hurdles. The better re your relationships are, the easier it is to get over all those hurdles. And, and going back to your earlier question, which was a good one, why did I write this book? And one of my main motivations and main reasons was to be able to share very tangible thoughts on how to develop relationships, along with helping people understand what's the difference between liking and caring, and which one of those two words is more important when we're talking about leadership. 
I'll say this about relationships for now is that they do have to be based on mutual trust, respect, and appreciation. And a key point, folks tend to do a pretty good job of that for people. But what's also important is the task. And so every individual and every job is critical for a team to be able to, to succeed. And there has to be that environment culture, if you will, of mutual respect, trust, and appreciation. One message in the book that I found especially intriguing is the concept of practicing your leadership skills and strategies in areas outside of the workplace, at home, at play, if you're a coach for a team or what have you. Tell me more about that concept and why it helps improve leadership on the job. I love the love, love, love the fact that you use the word practicing in your question because it's a key point. Leadership, some people like to debate, are leaders born or made? The answer is yes, for sure, right? But leadership is a skill, and anything that's a skill can be learned, practiced, and improved. So let me just give you two quick examples of, of practicing leadership away from work, if you will. And so, like when I teach a class, almost always somebody will come up to me after class and say, how, how did you learn to teach like that? How did, how, how did you become a trainer? Uh, I felt like you did a really good job, et cetera, et cetera. What can I do? And I almost always answer that with a question. And it's kind of a weird question to start with, but I ask them, do you go to church or, or anything like that? And if they say yes, then I say, go ask your Sunday school teacher. And I promise you no Sunday school teacher will ever say no to this question. If you can teach the lesson for them the next week, if it's, if you know, if it's something you've never done, there's a small environment. Hopefully you may be comfortable with it. You're practicing uh, a skill there in terms of teaching, training, communication, a lot of things. And then maybe you get comfortable with that. Then go ask your pastor, hey, let me share my testimony or something like that in front of the service uh, or, in, you know, during a service in front of the whole congregation. And it's just practicing, practicing, practicing. Everything in the book mentions that leadership is a skill that can be learned, practiced and improved. And then an even better example of that leadership in general, every skill that it talks about in the book, parenting, anybody that's got kids know this. You learn more from raising a child or raising children than you ever will from a book through the experiences you have. You quickly learn what we call in the book C5 leadership, confidence, commitment, caring, courage, credibility, some of those kind of words. You quickly learn situational leadership, when to use authority, when to learn use influence. And so that's something too. Like there is no, it's a good example because there's never a point where you get to, hey, I've nailed this. I am like the perfect parent right now, and I don't need to improve my parenting skills at all. I don't think any of us would ever say that. <laughs> Leadership's the same way. It, it, it's a journey. You're continuously learning. And so hopefully that's another thing in the book that challenges people to think about how can I improve my blank, you know, whatever specific leadership skill you're talking about there. And my last question, what is the one key message or takeaway that people can get from this book that you feel is the most important? The one thing that you really hope they remember and implement, if nothing else? Curtis, 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 you can't do that to me. I mean, you can't pick one. That's a, it's not that's not a fair question. But I will answer. Now, before I do, it's it's worth pointing out. And a lot of people look for this, whether you're talking about leadership, safety, quality, anything at work, all those things that we measure, the outcomes that we want to get. People would love to think that there is a golden nugget, just this one thing you can do that's going to make whatever it is better or reinforce it. There's not. Uh, so 
that being said, a couple of things in the book that really stand out for me, uh, focusing on other people, like we talked about earlier, seeking their feedback, involving and empowering them in decision-making. That's key. The book talks about communicating with the goal of mutual understanding. That's a huge concept. And as I mentioned earlier with Dr. Dr. Uh, Dr. Tony's platinum rule, that concept of adaptability. And I just going back to the title and I'd be remiss right now not to say this. Uh, and, and this is a quote directly from the last paragraph of the book. Nail the run up, getting over the hurdles will seem, seem simple. So maybe that would be my key takeaway for the book is don't view leadership as a one-time event, i.e. hurdles really focus more on that run up in terms of culture creation and developing relationships included in which is a whole lot of those skills, communication, uh, things like that, coaching, feedback, teaching, training that the book specifically talks about, but yeah, now the run up getting over the hurdles will seem simple. Thank you so much for your time, David. The name of the book again is frontline leadership, the hurdle. David, can you tell our audience where they can get a copy of the book? Anywhere, um, not anywhere, but I would say probably most anywhere online that that you buy books, be they in, uh, it's available in a paperback version and or the, the ebook kind of things for Kindle or, or whatever readers folks like to have. So it should be easy to find with a quick internet search. Uh, again, the title of it, Frontline Leadership, The Hurdle. And thank you, Curtis. This was a great list of questions. I enjoyed this. Uh, yeah. And uh, if I can, let me, uh, if folks, if folks do buy it, and I hope they will, uh, please review it, you know, wherever it is that you bought it, uh, go in and put a review, good, bad, honest feedback. Uh, that's part of the book, coaching and feedback. And we just mentioned seeking feedback from others. Um, so I certainly would encourage you and ask you to take the time to do that. If you do purchase the book, please uh, provide some feedback. Thank you, David. And thank you to everybody in our audience for listening to this podcast today. Until next time, stay safe.